Hello, sexy people out in podcast land. It's another episode of the Sexuality and Fetish Podcast with me, Mistress Harley. I am a world-famous professional dominatrix, financial dominatrix, the inventor of high-tech domination, which is why I'm the tech dom. And if you want to see more of my accolades, interviews I've done, stories that have been printed about me, just Google Mistress Harley. Click the news button so you can read all of the interviews I've done with places like Vice, Motherboard, Engadget, the New York Post, etc., etc. My topic today is about the language of sexuality, fetish, gender identity, and identity as a whole. We use words. We make up words to describe certain things, certain identities, certain desires, certain aspects of ourselves. And we use those definitions to try to seek out other like-minded people. I'm kind of famous because I invented the word tech dom because I also invented this fetish and framework for high-tech domination. Before I came along and used that word, no one had a word for this desire to have your technology taken over, your computer or your phone taken over. I'm not saying that nobody had this desire. People were, of course, exploring these desires, but no one had named it yet. And when I googled tech dom and there were zero results, I realized, oh shit, I'm the tech dom. And of course, people are still arguing with each other about micro-sexual identities and gender expressions. And it's a really interesting topic, a little literary, but I recommend that you stay tuned for my deep dive into the language of sexuality. But of course, current events need to come first. So I'm going to talk about some sex in the news before I get to the meat of this sexuality and language sandwich. My first news item today is that Dave Chappelle is either being applauded or dragged through the mud for his most recent comedy special, where he once again manages to say that he has no problem with trans or gay people and he's going to stop making jokes about them, but really they're wrong. And a lot of you guys have emailed me, called me, texted me to ask me what I think about his comedy and this comedy special. And ultimately, I think that Dave Chappelle is funny. I enjoyed the Chappelle show, but it happens just a little bit too often that he can't seem to stay away from this topic about trans people. And I don't know if that's just like an old man grandpa-ism where you know how your grandpa, when he's mad about something, can change the conversation to always be about the thing he's mad at? Well, if you think the price of chicken is high, you should have seen what happened at the baseball game. And it seems like Dave Chappelle just can't stop himself from, oh, by the way, and trans people, what I'm still mad about. And it just feels a little old. And those jokes he tells are kind of in that boomer mainframe of, 
well, these things are so easy to tell apart. I don't know why young people. And really, once you start ragging on young people, you're probably just old. What I thought was really funny is that he went on to say that he doesn't have a problem with the LBGTQ community, but he's always had a problem with white people. And yeah, that definitely shines through in Dave's comedy, and I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, doth protest a bit too much, because if you don't have a problem with these people, why are you always bringing them up? It's like sometimes guys call me and they're like, please, Mistress Harley, please don't make me suck a dick. And I always say to them, you called me and brought up sucking a dick. I didn't say that. I didn't bring that up. So that must be on you and what you're thinking about and maybe something you're obsessed with. (laughs) And that seems to be the issue with Dave Chappelle and the LBGTQ community. My only real complaint, though, is that he doesn't like white people, but then goes on to defend J.K. Rowling, turf celebrity J.K. Rowling. And she's like an old rich white lady. So I don't know what she and Dave Chappelle have in common, except that they don't think trans women should be allowed to call themselves women. And this gets into the topic of language and sexuality. What do these people really have a problem with? They have a problem with words. I also have to point out that in this last comedy special, Chappelle talks about his trans friend who tragically committed suicide and uses that as an example of how he's not transphobic. Like, hey, Dave, if I can't say that I'm not racist because I have a bunch of black friends, you don't get to say that you're not transphobic because you have trans friends. Like the black community made it really clear to white people or light skinned people that you don't get to illustrate your lack of racism by pointing out your friendliness with people of other races. Therefore, you cannot use the same argument that you're not transphobic because you have friendships with trans people. Unless that rule is changed and every racist gets to say, well, I have black friends as a defense now. I don't really think anybody wants to open that door. So let's just not. But there are more interesting things to talk about in Sex in the News than Dave Chappelle. I mean, the only way Dave Chappelle gets to talk about anything sexy is by insulting trans people, I guess. So an exciting sex in the news story is by one of my favorite writers at Vice, Samantha Cole. I've actually done a couple of interviews with her, but she wrote an article about how dildos are finally getting safety standards. Vibrators, butt plugs, anal beads, all sex toys will have to abide by new international standards for quality. And I'm sure if you've ever played with a butt plug or some shitty sex toy that like fell apart or electrocuted you a little bit when it wasn't supposed to, or a butt plug that didn't have a bigger base than the flare size of the butt plug itself, you know that there are certain design flaws that exist in the sex toy industry that have never really been addressed. So novelty items, I'm using quotes, novelty items, have been like 
completely exempted from the testing and safety protocols, which considering you put these things in your body is a little upsetting. I feel like everything should have to pass safety regulations. But now for the first time, the International Organization of Standardization, or the ISO, which is an independent non-government group that sets safety standards for a lot of industries, has new standards for the quality of sex toys. If it's meant to be inserted inside you or put on your genitals, then the manufacturer has to meet certain requirements to get this certification. And I think that this is going to be an overall improvement for all of us. So this is intended for sexual stimulation or to enhance sexual pleasure. So anything that meets that definition has to abide by the safety standards, but not lubes, oils, gels, sprays, and foods. The push for sex toy safety protocols began when Dr. Martin Dahlberg, a Swedish surgeon at the Stockholm South General Hospital in 2008, realized that he was spending a lot of time pulling stuff out of people's butts. And he did a study where he found that about 40% of cases where patients came into the hospital with something stuck up there was a sex toy. So not just like a train set or something random, but a sex toy. So he worked with the ISO to get these regulations passed and to make sure that products are safe to use, both from the materials point of view and also the chemicals and uh, functionality points of view. And so this is going to be good because we need to make sure that Things that go up in our butts don't end up going so far up our butts that you have to go to the hospital. I don't know anyone that feels like a hospital visit is the hot, fun part of sex. And if you have a chastity cage or a cock ring, it should be able to be removed with pliers or other common household tools in the case of an emergency, meaning you wouldn't have to go to the hospital to get your chastity device removed. Now, That is a little bit of a downside for those of us who care about long-term chastity. However, I do see the point in preventing your ER from being filled up with guys in cock cages because there are safety concerns that need to be considered. Toys that get hot now cannot exceed 118 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, that's really hot. So, you know, yeah, your sex toy should not get hotter than 118 degrees. And anything going in any holes should be smooth and free from burrs and sharp edges. Yeah, I agree. I don't want anything sharp in my genitals, although I could see wanting to put something sharp in somebody else's. Also, sex toys should have to come with uh, cleaning instructions and protocols for cleaning the toys and biocompatible materials that won't burn your flesh off because they're toxic to human material. Now, of course, these are all voluntary standards. It's all about getting that certification. So I'm hoping in the next year we'll see certified safe sex toys because it would be 
better for us all. I always want sex to be safer, whether that is from STDs, from the toys themselves, and cleaner. Everything should be able to be completely disinfected. I want sex toys that can run through the sanitization cycle of my dishwasher and sex toys that are guaranteed not to burn me. But my favorite sex in the news topic this week is about the Ona singularity. It's from a company called Future Forecast, where they suggest that masturbation will replace intercourse as a leading source of sexual pleasure. Between VR and teledildonics and other sex tech devices, long-distance devices, hands-free devices, people are really able to masturbate and explore their sexuality in the privacy of their own home without other people, without all the effort that it takes to find someone you like just to see if they can fail or succeed at sexually pleasuring you. And of course, during the coronavirus pandemic, masturbation went up to an all-time high. I'm sure you guys saw a million stories about how OnlyFans was booming and more porn stories than ever. But really, people have started to accept a different kind of sexuality. It's called solo sexuality or porn sexuality. But most importantly, even last time I talked about these robot arms that could attach to your bed and pleasure you. So there's more and more innovation around the rise in masturbation. It's not just a profitable business in terms of making toys and tech, but it does seem to be following a human pattern. And the future forecast says that masturbation has expanded against the backdrop of a technological innovation, and it has become safer and richer than sex between people. It sounds like somebody read my book, Porn Sexual, which is available on Amazon, about how porn becomes this dependency in the digital age, because being a porn sexual and only masturbating and only watching porn are lot easier than having actual interactions with people and having to take someone out to dinner and meet their mom all for what you could do the same thing at home in 10 minutes with a really good toy so they put out this paper called the ona singularity where they put forth the idea that eventually masturbation which is considered shameful in so many cultures will become universally preferred as a form of sexual pleasure so the report says sex between humans is still a heavy psychological and physical burden. Sex will be perceived as unstable, uncertain, and just volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And that really is true. You don't know if someone's going to be able to make you have an orgasm until you're in bed with all your cards on the table. You've probably already invested time, energy, and money into this experiment. And how many times does the experiment just not work. 
How many times have you fucked someone and then thought, oh, I could have spent the night with my vibrator and that would have been so much better? I know I certainly had my share of less than ideal lovers, which is how I developed an intense screening mechanism so that I would always get exactly what I wanted. And really, Even though people enjoy sex to connect with each other, I think that masturbation is becoming more of a normal part of people's sex lives and sexual expression, and that's a good thing. It's okay if your partner masturbates. It's probably good for them. Your wife would probably be in a better mood if she spent an hour masturbating every day. And then if you had sex and you failed to pleasure her, it would be a little lower stakes of a game. Knowing that you can have an orgasm whenever you want maybe reduces the pressure on sexual performance, allowing it to be more fun. So I hope more people embrace the idea of either masturbation or chastity as a a form of sexual pleasure that is both acceptable and healthy and a form of self-care. Now, I'm going to talk about the topic today, which is the language of sexuality and why it's so important for us to understand how we define things and maybe why it's important to argue about them less. But of course, because I don't do anything for free, first, a word from our sponsors. So just like I was talking about earlier regarding Dave Chappelle, what these people are really mad about is words, words that get to be used in certain contexts in certain ways. So it's offensive to TERFs that trans women use the word women. People want to argue about these definitions. Like, do you ever see somebody online post the dictionary definition of a word to invalidate someone's argument? But the reality is, is that words are just shorthand that we use to refer to things. And we can all have 25 different definitions of the same word. And it doesn't matter Universal definitions are really hard to come by, and it's very few things that we all agree on mean the same thing. Remember when Bill Clinton said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman? Like, his definition of sexual relations didn't include blowjobs, I guess. Ask anyone you know what is cheating? And they'll give you 10 different definitions. Some people think that it's okay to kiss other people as long as you don't fuck them. Some people think heavy petting is fine. Other people think that masturbation is cheating. So words are subjective. And really, these definitions are all loose understandings that we create so we can communicate with each other. But if I run at 10 miles an hour, and you run at six miles an hour, our definition of running is different. I would say you're jogging. You might say you're sprinting. It doesn't matter. People choose how they identify themselves, their parts, their genitals. Even the things we call everyday objects are totally subjective. So if I say, hand me a large plate, 
and you hand me what I think is a small plate, you might explain to me why you think that's a large plate. Ultimately, being all hung up about the words people use is a waste of time. We all speak our own language, and when we meet someone new or explore new ideas, we're learning each other's languages. That's even part of the fun of getting to know someone. You learn that they define things a little bit differently than you, and then you get exposed to their ideas, and you can expose them to your ideas, and if you end up friends, you end up meeting somewhere in the middle. You don't always have to agree. You can agree to disagree, but really everybody is just living in their own reality. I don't remember which philosopher said it, maybe it was Thoreau, but it was about living a life of the mind. Your own reality is only what you construct in your own mind. So if you decide that all the definitions that you understand of being kinky apply to you and that you feel that you are a kinky person, there's no one that can't tell you you're not kinky. There's no one that can argue against your kinkiness because that's not what's important. What's important is you've identified yourself. And, you know, if somebody tells you their name, my name is Bob Smith, you don't argue with them. You don't say, you're not a Bob. You don't look like a Bob. How dare you call yourself a Bob? It doesn't matter if his parents named him Bob or he named himself Bob because he hated his birth name. All that matters is that in a polite society, we take people at their presentation. If you're presenting as a woman, it's only polite to treat you like a woman. If you are presenting as a robber and you have a gun pointed at you and and you're having your wallet demanded from you, it's probably to your best interest to just treat that person like a robber and not argue with them. You're not a real robber. That gun looks fake. Like, that's how you end up shot. So don't argue with people when they tell you about their own definitions. I used to do this a lot when people would tell me, I have a tattoo and I'm tattooed from head to foot. And then they'd show me this little like Tasmanian devil on their butt cheek. And I'm like, yeah, you're real tattooed. It doesn't matter. We both have tattoos. They think they're just as tattooed as me. It doesn't fucking matter. They think my tattoos are cool. That's why they wanted to show me their dumb Tasmanian devil. And in the life of the mind, the ideas we explore, the thoughts that we have, the conclusions that we come to, and the ways that we identify are just a reflection of how we view ourselves in this big crazy world. No one can define you, so use whatever fucking words you want. You can be a woman. There's no gatekeeper on being a woman or a man or anything else in life. You can say you're anything. I'm a magician. And it doesn't matter. Fucking fight me. So... The language of sex is also really evolving. Remember when you first heard poly, like polyamorous, or demi, like demisexual, or asexual? We're constantly examining ourselves and slicing the world into 
thinner and thinner pieces to better understand it and ourselves. And that doesn't mean any of these feelings are new. Certainly being transgender is not new. There have been transgender people as long as there have been people. Think about the famous pharaoh of Egypt who strapped a beard to her face and ruled as a king even though she was a woman. Was she transgender? Had she just decided it served her better to be a man? Well, the statues that are left of her show her wearing a beard to indicate her kinghood. So do we question that she was a woman or man or real this or real that? No. All we know is that this lady ruled Egypt. And it's the same with many other people that have lived as the alternate sex or as a different gender throughout history. We've had female pirates. We've had female queens. We've had kings. There was a lady pope that gave birth. So the idea that gender is this rigid, segregated A or B thing is just completely false. And we can get down to the science and the chromosomes. There's more than two sexes. There's not just XX and XY. There's also double XY, double YX. Ultimately, Everything is variable, and how we perceive the world is our life of the mind. So if someone tells you they're demisexual, don't go, yeah, everyone wants to have an emotional connection with someone to be attracted to them. That's just called normal. Like, no, just let them have their words. What they really are is shorthand trying to tell you about themselves. And if anything, a better question might be, oh, I've heard that word used in a bunch of different ways. What does that mean to you? And in asking for their definition, you're not arguing about it. You're just better understanding what this word means to the person and how they're using it. Because if you're trying to get to know someone, then you should want to get to know how they view the world. Put on the glasses, the lenses that they see the world from. That doesn't mean that you are a mind reader and you can understand them, but just trying to understand somebody of a different background, you need to look through their eyes to get a proper understanding of their worldview, how they see themselves, and what they're trying to communicate. Because ultimately, that's all words are. They're just these things we use to try to communicate. And maybe if we were telepathic, uh, a lot more people would kill each other. And a lot more people would spend less time arguing and just go, okay, they think they're, they say they're demisexual. And to them, demisexual means they only have sex with one person they're in love with twice a year. It doesn't matter. Just learn. Be open to how other people see the world. You might find an interesting perspective. If something might make you think. And I certainly enjoy pondering new ideas. As a professional dominatrix, I sometimes think I've heard everything, every fantasy, every fetish, every identity. But every once in a while, someone tells me something new, tells me something I've never heard before. And instead of rejecting them for that or arguing with them over what that means, I just tend to think, oh, that's really interesting. Why do you think about it that way? What do you like about it? What made you attach to this word? And that helps me better understand too. 
Maybe it's because I have a library background, but there's more than one way to write a biography, tell a history, or understand someone else's point of view. So that is my rant about the evolving language of gender and sexuality and fetish. And now, on to my favorite part of the show where someone else does some talking. It's listener mail. Hi, Mistress Harley. What kind of diet should a bottom for anal have? Like, what should I be eating? What should I not be eating? What a great question. I do have a video called the 12-Step Sissy Diet, and I highly recommend you watch that. Although that video is more about supplements, vitamins, and oils that can help feminize you and make more estrogen in your body. But really, the diet of a bottom should be more focused on anal cleanliness. Yeah, I said it. There are several steps you can take to make sure you're nice, clean bottom, because nothing ruins the mood for people who aren't into scat play than accidental scat play. So make sure you eat a lot of fiber in your diet. I recommend making sure that that fiber is in your system before you go to bed each night. Then when you wake up in the morning, hopefully you will have a nice excrement that will clean out your bowels for the day. There's a lot that has to do with timing, too. So if you know that your ass is going to get fucked at 3 p.m. on Tuesday, you want to make sure to eat a lot of fiber Monday night, use the bathroom. After you use the bathroom, maybe around 1 or 2 o'clock, you can do a nice little enema. Enema kits are available at most drugstores. And just make sure there's nothing nasty left in the the hole that you want to use for fun. And certainly, you want to stay away from spicy foods the night before you're planning on get bottoming. You want to make sure that you don't eat anything overly rich. I definitely recommend keeping your diet clean, drinking a lot of water, and always do the pre-session enema. Your top will appreciate it and you'll have way less cleanup to do afterwards. Well, hey there, Mistress Harley. Do you listen to Wu-Tang? <laughs> I think that person was calling me from the holler, but fuck yeah, I listen to Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Obviously, I made a hip-hop album. You can find it everywhere. It's called Tech Dom Financial Domination, in which I spit such fat rhymes that you know I listen to the fucking Wu-Tang Clan. I was always inspired by ODB. That's the old dirty bastard, for those of you who aren't familiar. But I'm sure you're familiar with his songs, uh, Hey Dirty Baby, I Got Your Money. And I was always 
always inspired by not just how these guys were willing to write really excellent rhymes, but also to talk about some of the dirtiest stuff, some of the craziest stuff, and of course, kung fu movies. I like kung fu movies. I like kung fu movies, horror movies, science fiction. Okay, I just like movies, you guys. But really, Wu-Tang Clan is inspiring. And of course, Cream, Cash Rules Everything Around Me, is on my running mix. I find their meteoric rise inspiring. And really, when I decided I wanted to make a hip-hop album, it was because I wanted to do all these things I saw men doing successfully and blowing up and getting famous and getting money, all because they pretty much just talked about their lives and said what they liked. And it didn't matter how dirty that was or offensive that was or violent that was. Everyone had to accept it because it's art. And if you listen to my music, available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, fucking everywhere, then you'll see that I'm just doing the same thing. I'm just talking about my life, the experiences I've had, and the things I like to do. And it's one of the few places I can't be censored. Because you've heard me talk a lot about the censorship in adult sites and the internet and the porn community, but music is art. And because it's art, you can't touch it. You can't censor it. Just like, remember banned books when they banned the Tropic of Cancer? I read the Tropic of Cancer hoping that there was some like filthy sex scenes in there when I was younger and was disappointed that it was mostly about arsenic. So really, it's just about being able to say who you are and what you do and express that as an art form that can't be censored. Because art can't be censored. It shouldn't be censored. It's all sending a message. And so the Wu-Tang told us about their life in Staten Island. And I like to talk about my life dominating men and using them for money. As always, you can ask me a question that might end up on my podcast by going to mistressharley.com slash podcast. And you can find me everywhere. I'm on Twitter at TechDom. Search for me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I actually just posted a YouTube video about this podcast with very clear instructions on how to send me a message. So check that out. Plus, my YouTube channel has hundreds of free videos where I'm wearing basically a bikini. So go check that out where you can see a lot of me for free. And of course, I'll be doing my next episode soon. So feel free to give me topic suggestions because while I can listen to myself talk for a long time, sometimes I think I'm running out of things to say. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just running out of nice things to say because really I'm a cold, mean bitch. I am not a nice person. And even though I'm very affable, it's very easy to talk to me and ask me questions. Don't ever forget that I am a cold bitch who, in the words of uh, Titillate, a magazine I did an interview with, I will help you to lose your wife. (laughs) So this is Mistress Harley. Once again, visit me and give me all your money on mistressharley.com.